I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 147 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you, so thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have an awesome guest to bring you guys today, the chief creative officer of Vayner Media, Steve Babcock, who is the right-hand man of Gary Vaynerchuk, of course, a first-class father as well. Steve will be here with me in just a minute, so please stick around for the interview. The baseball season is almost upon us already here, and what an awesome experience it is to bring your kids to a baseball game. We all know just how expensive it can get, so make sure you're buying your tickets over on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app. And when you use my promo code, First Class, at the checkout, First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save $20 off their ticket purchase. This is good for baseball. It's also good for concert tickets, Broadway shows, hockey and basketball are going on forever, so you can use it for that as well. Get to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code First Class and save 20 bucks off your ticket purchase. All right, I have an awesome lineup of dads who are going to be joining me here next week on the show. I'm on the fence about hitting you guys with three, four, or five episodes next week, but follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace and stay up to date with all the scheduling. Next month, I'm going to be celebrating one full year of podcasting, so I'm going to try to put together a little something special for that. I have just been blown away by the progress of this podcast. I mean, I've had so many amazing dads on the show. If you're a new listener, please take a second to just scroll through the list of dads who have joined me here on the podcast. Everybody from NFL Hall of Famers to Navy SEALs. I mean, you guys know how much I love and admire the Navy SEALs. As a matter of fact, this Friday, Eddie Penny will be the 19th Navy SEAL that I've been honored to have on the podcast here. I've also had the privilege of having Gold Star parents of Navy SEAL Aaron Vaughn. Uh, that was really so humbling, and it was very special for me. I've also had Army Rangers, Green Berets, Apache pilots, Air Force members, police officers, firefighters. I've had great actors, best-selling authors, top-shelf entrepreneurs. The list goes on and on, so please take a peek at the list. It's very impressive. I'm always working very hard to bring you guys fresh content, awesome guests, and I really owe all the success of this podcast to you listeners out there. So if you have a chance, please hit me with a rating or a review over on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Let's keep this celebration of fatherhood and family values going strong. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to get right into the action right now with first class father, Steve Babcock. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is the Chief Creative Officer of Vayner Media. He is the first person to ever hold the position. It is so cool to have him here with me today. Steve Babcock, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right, let's do this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three kids. Uh, my, my eldest is 14. She's a freshman in high school. Uh, her name is Berlin. And then she has two little brothers, one 12, Jameson, and uh, the caboose is Graham, who is eight. Very cool. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? 
You know, it's funny because uh, we, we recently moved from Colorado out here to the East Coast and, um, and, and settled in a little town that is a, a heavy sports town. Like the number one question we got asked when we moved in is like, what, what sports do your kids play? What sports do your kids play? And, you know, it's kind of, it, it, I as a, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't, I mean, I did all the like, I grew up in a very small town in Idaho and I did like all the like rec league stuff like basketball and soccer. But as I got a little bit older, I was much more of a music and art and uh, I would like snowboard and play golf, but not really a, a sport person. So naturally, I haven't, you know, my, my kids don't own a lot of Under Armour or Nike or basketball. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, hey, just because it's not something that I'm, you know, super passionate about, I want to be able to, I don't want my kids to, to miss out on the opportunity. So um, I don't have the best athletes in the house, uh, but I've got some good musicians and some really good artists. But swimming... Uh, lacrosse, which is big out in the West Coast, so my little guy's playing lacrosse. My uh, my daughter was was really big on gymnastics until she started to have some back pain, so she's stopping that, and uh, she's starting cross country. And then my middle guy, Jameson, has really started to take to baseball. So those are our sports, but really our other sport is guitar, drums, and uh, and making videos. And they they got a little bit more of my creative gene than uh, than my wife's sort of uh, athletic gene, I think, much to her chagrin. All right, that's awesome. Please take a minute here, Steve, just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i the chief creative officer at VaynerMedia, and I live out here in, uh, in New York. Um, I have been working in advertising on the creative side for just about, oh gosh, I guess it's almost a little over 20 years now. Uh, my background is, uh, you know, I've always had an interest in, you know, growing up, again, in a really small town in Idaho. I was the youngest of five kids, and my, my older brothers and my older sister were very creative, always making, like, home movies and videos, and that stuff really rubbed off on me. And so even at a young age, I, I like to create and make things to entertain. And so we would, we would make, I'd get my friends together and we'd make movies and I got into bands and played, played in a lot of bands. And naturally that, that, you know, as I got into college and was looking into like film studies and creative writing and those things, it led me into this field called advertising. Um, and, and it's just really stuck ever since. It's a, it's a, it's proven to be a, uh, a great way to make a living and, and mingle that with a creative outlet and, um, so yeah, so I've, I've done that uh, specifically as a as what's called a copywriter, so a writer. Uh, and as I've just gone through my career, I've had you know held different positions, sort of up the ladder. And now I'm uh, running uh, the uh, a large creative department at, at VaynerMedia of around 200 photographers, artists, editors, writers, animators, etc. And we we make all of the the creative product, everything from a Snapchat lens to a Super Bowl commercial for, uh, for uh, all of our clients. Very cool. What an awesome journey. When did fatherhood come into this picture for you, Steve, and how did becoming a dad change your perspective on life? Yeah, I, I, my wife and I, we got married, you know, I think pretty early. I don't know what the standard is anymore. I, I was 23. She was also about to turn 20. She was 22. She turned 23. So we got married fairly young. And... Um, and we had Berlin when we were tw- when I was 26. So Berlin was 2004, 
Uh, yes, in '04 she was married, or she we <laughs> she was born, because um, that would make her 14. That's right. My math is horrible. Yes, '04. So in '04 we had our first child, and you know it was um, it was yeah. You know everybody's like it's the biggest change in the world, and it really is. She started her existence with a little little medical issues, some some pretty extreme colic acid reflux, just kind of, I mean, she was really, really hard, and it was just crying, 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 crying nonstop, and, and it was really trying on, uh, for both of us, especially my wife, you know, you know, especially having her first and just feeling like all the emotions that you feel, and then to have a baby that just you can't soothe, uh, and, you know, she didn't sleep through the night for a, a year, so looking back, we have no idea how we got through it, but but we, we did, and um, yeah, it changes everything, you know, like suddenly you'll hear the anecdotes, like the funny stuff. It's like, well, you know, as soon as you have a kid, like you can't just pick up and go to a movie with your wife whenever you want, or you can say goodbye to going out to eat and those things. And it's, it, it is true, you know, at least it was in our instance. We didn't have like family close by to come babysit or anything. So, um, but I think the, the best part about it is that it, uh, outside of like, and you can't explain it. The best way I've tried to explain it is just like there's a there's like a this sounds cheesy, I guess, but I'd be like it's like there's a part of your heart or your ability to love that is like sealed, that's locked, and it and it and it only becomes unlocked once you have a child, because you can't explain it because there's nothing to compare it to. It's like you there's this human being that you've created and that you're responsible for, and there's this love that you feel for him or her, you know, even from the first minute, and you're just like, you don't know them, you don't know anything about it, you know, especially as your first, you're like, what are we doing? But you're just like, and so it's really a, a, a profound experience that then changes, you know, I think one of the best advantages of having kids is it teaches you, uh, hopefully, it teaches you to be selfless and to be more in the service of them, because you have to be, especially those early years, you have to do everything. You're changing diapers, you're feeding, you're getting up every... You're completely your interests are gone at that point, and it's a good kind of like baptism by fire of like what I think makes really good parents are those who figure out how to put the needs of their kids um, first without sacrificing you know your own needs. It's a balancing act, but that was big for us. You know, we really you know outside of her having some other issues and. Then, you know, two years later, we had another one, and, and then four years later, we had another one, and then uh, and then we have our three. Yeah, very well said, Steve. I love that. Um, okay, a big part of your life deals with technology, and that is such a big struggle for many of us parents out there as far as video games, screen time, social media. They're all growing up with it from day one. We remember life without smartphones and iPads. How do you kind of handle all the technology time, screen time, and all of that with your children? Yeah, I mean, we, we join the, the rest of the world in, in the struggle. Uh, it was fun. In fact, just this morning, I was having a text exchange with my wife. She was a bit frustrated with our middle guy, you know, having kind of a bad attitude because we said you couldn't play Fortnite this morning because it's before school and it's a rule we've always had. And so why are you challenging us on it, you know? Um, you know, it's interesting. So I, uh, as someone who works in the field and sees so much of the value side and the positive side of technology um, and and then also is like, 
you know, I'm definitely not one of those, like, um, I believe moderation in all things, like too much of anything, too much of being outside is not good. You get sunburned, you get skin, you know, so it's like you, you really do need to uh, figure out that balance. Like right now we do have a, a, a younger generation that is really skewed on the other side. But what I've learned for me, so I, I'll give you a little story. This, this past Halloween, my, my daughter uh, got a group of friends, like six, seven friends together, and wanted to go to a, like a haunted corn maze. They're really popular out here, I guess. It's just like farms where you go out at night and whatever. And, uh, and none of the other parents wanted to take them, so I, uh, I got, uh, uh, you know, I'll take any time I can get with my daughter, so I'm like, I'll take you guys. And so I loaded up a car full of, I think it was like six or seven, you know, 13, 14-year-olds, and, and we're driving, you know, and at this point I know, it's like I'm the Uber driver, like don't try to be funny, don't just, just drive, just be cool. And, um, and I just observed, it was really interesting all of them in this car together, but glued to their phones, but communicating with each other. So they're like all in like house party or, you know, other apps where it's like group. And at first, I remember my first instinct was like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? You're all in the, I mean, you know, they're, they're all on their phones and they're like typing to each other and then they'll kind of laugh at each other and talk a bit, but they're in there. And I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And as I kept observing, I realized, oh, well, in that group, there's also some people who weren't able to come, who were at home. And then it just kind of dawned on me of like, wait a minute. Just because they communicate differently than how I communicated with my friends with the technology I had, why does it make that wrong? You know, and that's I kind of was, I've had to reconcile that a lot of like, wait a minute, this is how they communicate. And so I think it's, I don't think it's a matter of technology versus not technology. It's a matter of just making sure that, you know, that the communication is the best quality it can be. You know, train, like, so however, if it's a text, if it's a Snapchat, if it's, none of that to me really matters. In fact, I think it makes it easier. You know, for me, I communicate, I have a better relationship with my dad than, than I've ever had in terms of like frequent communication because of screens. Like we literally play words with friends together, you know, and we t- and we come and we have conversations and things like. So I, I really don't. I think there's a quick uh, reaction to be like this stuff is bad. It's taking all this time. And and yes, there is there are definitely things like screen addiction and you know even obsession with particular games and things. That we see it at our house where it's like I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta play. And um, and as a parent, I'm like, well, let's figure out how to how to force moderation. But I'm never going to say this is evil and and this is you know or this is the right way to live as a kid and this is the wrong way to live as a kid. I think it's really on us as parents to um, a become practitioners in it too. It's easy to you know villainize something when you don't know anything about it. Like I remember being a dad, you know on musically. It gets easy for me because it's my job. I have to be in these things. I make I make creative for all the platforms for my clients, so I get it. But like I was on musically, you know, it was like no dad was on musically, but it was like, hey, I want to know how these things work and how people communicate on them because it helps me have greater empathy for my kid who and that's the other thing kids parents need to understand. Kids do not know a reality without these tools. We do. 
We, we're now the old people. They're like, well, we, when we had rotary phones and you didn't have Uber and all, it's like they don't know anything other than that. So to hold them accountable to a standard of like, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't make any sense and it's not fair. So my stance is this, like parents, you know, because that, that moment in that car taking my kid to the, to the Halloween thing was really kind of pivotal for me because it was like, wait a second, they are really communicating. Just, I mean, really, and they were involving friends who weren't able to go, and they, and they were having fun, and, and, and they were together, but they were using this device to do the talking, and I, I, I can't look at that and say, oh, that's horrible. I'm like, probably talking more to their friends than I ever did and communicating more than I ever did. I just think it's important to make sure that we are helping, uh, helping kids and ourselves find, like, the, the quality of the communication, like making sure, you know, that's the, there's those parts too where it's like, you know, the Instagram syndrome where it's like, oh, people are just posting the perfect thing and trying to get obsessed with that. Like that stuff I do think, again, it's not the technology's fault. It's us as a culture to figure out, like your value as a, as a, as a, as a woman, you know, as what I tell my, my daughter, is not dictated on the number of likes your posts get. That can get out of control for sure, but it's just a different tool that, that shows that. We all had our tools that showed that being the most popular in high school, et cetera. So that's the parent's job. It's not about against technology. It's, a, it's making sure that in a world of these tools and different things that our children know what their worth is, they know their love, they know how they treat people, you know, this whole, like, cyberbullying. Well, there was bullying before cyberbullying. There was just, you got picked on after school in the alleyway. Like, so it doesn't change, in my opinion. And I think the pros far outweigh the cons. So that was a bit of a long rant. Sorry, I just took your whole podcast out. No, hey, you made some great points there. Okay, time to get a word from our sponsors and back with more from Steve Babcock. Don't go away. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Seat Geek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Steve, and I think that the best part of this technology is that this generation of kids, they're not drinking and driving. I mean, I drive so many of these college kids on the weekends with Uber and Lyft. It is just so awesome to see. But I do notice that once they're in the car, the communication skills as far as making eye contact, shaking hands, holding and staying present in a conversation, that part's diminishing a little bit. I mean, it's a a dichotomy for sure with all this technology. Uh, but I do agree with you that it's the same aspects of life. It's just a different way of expressing them. I'm trying to adapt and learn as quick as I can just because I never had any social media accounts until I started this podcast. I definitely need to learn, grow, change, develop with all of it, and at least, if not for nothing else, to stay better connected to my kids. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, with every change, I mean, Elvis was the devil, if you recall. You know, like, with every change, there is going to be... Uh, a knee-jerk resistance, and, um, and you know, things that, like, 
none, you know, that we won't know until 50 years from now when we look back and go, oh, that's the change that really happened. You know, I do notice things like that as well, which is why I overcompensate as a parent in teaching, like, hey, we're going over to someone's house for dinner. Like, what do you do? What do you do? So it's, you look in the eye, you say your name, you do, so you just, you have to just make sure as a parent, you know, spend half the time villainizing the, the technology and and spend that time on like really sitting down and teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. You do have to compensate for what technology probably is taking away in some of those things because they're important. It's just basic, you know, parenting and things. But I, I, you're right on that. I've noticed that as well, that it's like, you know, because if back in our day, if we wanted to say something to somebody, we had to deal with the consequences because we said it to them, to their face. It's very easy to comment something or text something, you know, when you're like, oh, I can kind of say what I want without a consequence or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that is important. Very good. All right. I'm curious to get your opinion on this, Steve, just because I speak about it so often on the podcast here that I feel like there's an attack in this country on family life and on fatherhood in particular through our pop culture, just the way dads are portrayed in the movies and on TV and through the media. Dad is always that dope who can't seem to change a diaper or ever be left alone with his kids. It seems like the single dad is more glorified than the family dad. Family dad always seems like he's very sad and he's always got that I've given up on life look on his face. I mean, you're very involved with media, marketing, advertising and all this is that the usual angle that they shoot for with showing the father in a little bit of a diminished role because it doesn't really match up with most of the dads that I know yeah uh, you know during my career I would say you know that that clearly was such a such a you know archetype in advertising and entertainment you know I mean it's I, I call it the Homer Simpson it's just like oh, okay yeah that was that's funny because you know, we believe that to be true and da da da. I don't see it nearly as much, you know, these days when uh, I think everybody is, is more on notice and more aware of like, hold up, like, you know, um, it's, you can't really generalize those kinds of things. So, I mean, I, it, it, it starts to stick out as much as something that is like, obviously sexist would, right? You know, those things with some, if you saw an idea or someone was like, we could do this, it, your red flag goes off, like, you can't do that because da-da-da-da-da. You see it as much for men as well, where you're like, you can't do that because da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, here's the thing. Like, I will never know and I will never be able to know, you know, exactly what it is like to be a mother or a woman or minority or gay, or anything other than what I am, right? I am a, I'm a white, straight male, and that is my filter. That is all I've ever known. I, I, I can try to sympathize and do this, but I can never know. Nobody can ever know exactly uh, what it's like to be a thing they're not. Um, and so all I can do is speak from, like, from, and, and even within them, there's all the, like, micro thing, you know, like, I, I you know, the social, economical status, all those things. I can really only know that truly. I can study, I can support, I can learn, I can really only know. And I think, you know, for for me, I'll just because that's all I can do is speak from my experience. I think being a father uh, is, you know, is emotionally like very difficult. And, you know, because typically it's like, for me, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a provider. 
and that is my num and that is my that, for whatever reason that is my number one job. Like my job is like I want to provide, I want to work, I want to be able to create a a, a a setting at home where my family can be comfortable. And I put a lot. I mean that is that's a big deal to me, and there's a lot of stress, and there's a lot that comes into that. I then also want to be a good father, which means I got to spend time. Uh, with my children and those things. I want to be a good husband. I got all these things. And I think there is a pressure and a stress that no one talks about. And I know in my world, it really did lead to, um, you know, uh, well, I don't know if it's the thing that led to, to uh, you know, my depression because I struggled a lot with that uh, and still do, but I've, I've learned to deal with it. But it just, it really piles up. And in our culture, it's like we don't, you know, men don't typically historically want to talk about those things. They're seen as weak and da-da-da. I just think there's a lack of understanding in general. Uh, and again, it's not a man versus woman thing. It's not a father versus mother thing. It's just like we're just talking about uh, fathers at this point. And it's, I think it is fair to say, man, that's, it's actually way complicated. You can't just have the dopey dad that doesn't know what he's doing, da-da-da-da-da. It is really complicated. The emotions that fathers uh, or, or myself go through on a daily basis to juggle my own interests, because I'm a person, I'm a human, I have things that I'm interested in, passions, things I want to do, but wait a minute, prioritize, I need to make, I need to provide, and then, wow, how, you know, am I missing places on my, like, how am I raising them, because, and then am I making sure that they know that I love and support their mother? There's so much pressure, um, and I think as if I if men are like me, most of them like we just bottle it up, we just keep it in there. And um, so anyway, I I think to answer your question, I don't see half of that in at least in our agency. I think everyone's over the like characterizing men as just the the Homer Simpsons, but I don't think we've even scratched the surface of allowing men to and to really understand like the struggles of being a father. Like it's it's a daily it's really hard. Like I find it to be really hard. And it's also the most amazing thing. Like you love being a father. But man, you know, it it changes the dynamic of your life. I mean you really you go from like a life of like I'm like twelfth on the totem pole of people I need to take care of. Yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. Uh, all right, Steve, you work closely with Gary Vee, and he has become like the face of the entrepreneur, especially amongst the millennials and, and the younger generation. Many kids want to put out content. What kind of advice do you have for the parents out there whose kids are dreaming of hitting that YouTube jackpot? Yeah, you know, it's funny, right? Because, like, you know, YouTube influencers are the new rock stars and celebrities. Like, when we, when we grew up, it was like, oh, I want to be you know, Bono from U2, or I want to do this. And, and, and so it's, it's funny. The first step, I would say, is for parents to actually study it and understand that it's real. Same with eSports. People are like, wait, gaming? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be an Olympic sport. Like, and these, these are the new celebrities. And, and to figure out why and to, um, you know, get on there and subscribe and make sure you're familiar with the things or the people uh, who your children look up to and aspire to. That's number one. Because it is happening, and most parents don't get it. They don't know who certain individuals are. And I think it's important to know, because it's like, well, I'm going to make sure that my child is looking up. You know, we all have our cultural idols. And it's like, I want to make sure that this is somebody I, would, I want them to look up to. So doing your homework, really knowing who these people are, um, 
and then you know, I think I think one of the biggest issues with children and, and like public broadcasting and things like that is, you know, for me it's just like, all right, there's there's weirdos out there. You know, there's people with real issues, and you do, and you know that that's a thing. You know, like I don't want, and I maybe feel it a little more with my daughter, with my sons. I don't I don't know why. Maybe I'm just really protective because I have one daughter, and and uh, you know, I'm like I don't really want you to have like a. Uh, but uh, like a YouTube, like what are you doing on it? Are you gonna do like beauty tutorials or whatever? Um, so I, I think it's first really understanding what your child looks up to in on YouTube and in that space, and you know, um, if they have a particular skill and or things like that that makes sense. I think it's I think it's fine. I think you just gotta watch it. I don't know. It's it's a gray area for me. I, none of my kids have. I mean, I think we all have like a YouTube channel because at one point we were like, you know, like my son wanted to post some like game videos he did or whatever, but it hasn't stuck. Like no one really does it. In our family, most of the kids are like more about groups on you know Snapchat and things like that, where it's like broadcasting to their inner circle, but. Yeah, I guess I would say this is like know what that world is. Very cool. Some great advice right there. How about discipline, Steve? How are you at being the disciplinarian as a father? Oh, I'm the worst, um, <laughs> which is why my wife is really great at it. Um, I, I, it's something I'm trying to get much better at. I am, uh, admittedly, I am just, I need to, I have such an aversion to my kids feeling pain um, that I kind that I admit I know it I'll, I'll shy away from it I don't want to you know and I and I got I'm working on that because that's not fair to my wife to make her be the the bad cop and me be the good cop so um, so I admittedly I'm I'm not great at it but I I have learned that when I when I am and when I do hold the line and do make the correct even though they're hard decisions to make. It does benefit, you know. I'm coming to learn that, like, I'm actually when I'm not disciplining correctly, I actually am causing more damage than than good. And so, my my wife is definitely helping me with that, um, you know. But in general, I, I guess I'm. I will say this though. I'm I'm not a lecturer. Um, I'm I'm a. I do believe that the the ultimate goal with my children is to get it get to a place where we can talk openly about emotions and feelings around anything. And so if they've done something that is really, you know, makes us mad or disrespect, whatever it is, you know, I'm very, I'm not like, I'll like sit down, let's talk about this. I'm not going to talk at you. I want to know how that made you feel. Why did you do, and I just have found that to be, you know, really the, the approach that works for me. But, um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, bottom line, I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find myself right in the middle of what I think is an inspiring lecture sometimes, and then it'll just hit me that you know the kids aren't even paying attention. I'm just putting on this whole production for myself. Yeah, yeah. All right, Steve. What type of uh, goals do you have for yourself? What's coming up next for Steve Babcock? You know, uh, right now we're 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 actually you know loving the East Coast. Uh, you know, VaynerMedia has been a really really fun challenge for me creatively to take a media company. Uh, led by a you know a business entrepreneur and, and turn it into a a, a, a creative uh, company and so we're really on the you know right around the corner for for making that a, a real big splash in the market so it's a lot of fun we made the agency's first Super Bowl commercial this year 
Um, and so, yeah, career-wise, that's that. Home-wise, you know, like I said, I got a daughter in as a freshman, and so she's in high school, and, and so really what's, for me, I'm looking at like, okay, I want to make these these three or four years with her, which, you know, after that she's going to move away and go to college and everything, like really, really meaningful. So, you know, I'll have after, after I become an empty nester, I'll have all the time in the world to do the things I want to do, but right now I'm like, I work and I work hard and I, and then I get I get home, you know. Everyone talks about hustle their or their their side hustle, you know, my side hustle is being a dad for sure. So I'll work really hard in the day so I can get on that 6:20 train so I can get home and have uh even if it's just that conversation about the day or that moment cuz it's going to be gone really quick. I mean, 3 years it's the thing that does keep me up at night. All of a sudden I'm like, "Wait a second. You're going to go away." Uh, so that's really big on my mind now is, uh, you know, for the next five or six years is is really, really, really uh, taking advantage of the fact that my children live with me. Well said. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Steve, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Um. I, I, maybe this sounds weird. I don't know. Uh, it, and I know everybody's situation isn't the same, so this might not apply to everybody. But I would say the advice is this, is if you don't already do whatever it takes to make the adjustments and changes in your life to be 100% uh, in service of, of uh, your wife or your partner. Um, if you make that your goal to be like, okay, I exist to make this person's life easier, to support this person, to make them happy, to, you know, nine out of ten times when it really doesn't matter, to, to agree with them and go, and go with what they want to do or whatever, that's the key. Um, you know, whenever I've been able to do that, uh, it, it makes everything work. So, I, again, I know it's a weird answer because it's not necessarily about the, the child, but... You know, um, I think if any any child sees that their father loves and respects and will do, you know, pretty much anything for, for their mother, uh, I think that pays dividends in their adult life for sure. So make sure that relationship is good and, and, and learn to give up some stuff. Just do it. It's not important live in service of, of your partner, and uh, that will make being a father uh, much better. That's a great message. This has been a lot of fun. I have to say, Steve Babcock, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Happy to, uh, happy to chat about being a dad anytime. All right, back to wrap things up in a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Steve Babcock for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Hit me on Facebook. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And then lock it in for tomorrow's episode. I am going to have Trevor Chapman here with me, and then we're going to close out the week strong on Friday with SEAL Team 6 operator Eddie Penny. Plus, I'm going to drop a couple of more future guests on you, so stick around. A lot more coming up. 
That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.